Welcome to the Gut Doctor Podcast, where Dr. Neil Parikh describes GI disorders and answers common questions related to the GI tract. Please note this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of the Gut Doctor. Today I have Dr. Prabhin Sharma, a interventional gastroenterologist with Harford Healthcare and Connecticut GI. Prabhin is going to talk to me about a very new or novel uh, concept called transoral incisionless fundoplication. We've all heard of fundoplication, but this is a novel approach to it. Uh, short, it's TIF. So, Prabhin, what is TIF? Hey, Neil. Th- uh, first of all, thanks for this opportunity. Uh, so, uh, in order to understand what TIF is, uh, we need to understand that uh, gastroesophageal reflux disease is very common. And uh, typically, we manage this uh, with medications such as uh, S2 blockers, uh, such as Pepsid or Famotidine, or proton pump inhibitors like Pantoprazole, Omeprazole, Prilosec, uh, which are even o- available over the counter. However, if the reflux is driven by anatomical issues at the junction between the stomach and the esophagus, medications are just not going to be enough, uh, especially if patients have developed refractory symptoms. And these patients require anatomical fix to improve the anti-reflux barrier. Traditionally, this has been done by surgeons by creating a wrap at the junction between the esophagus and stomach by a process called fundoplication, uh, such as Nissen fundoplication. More recently, um, gastroenterologists have innovated this new technique um, of performing the same procedure, but endoscopically. And um, that's why the name transoral incisionless fundoplication, because this is done without surgery. So it's an endoscopic procedure performed by the gastroenterologist, sometimes in coordination with surgeons, where a special device called esophix is used along with an endoscope uh, in treatment of curd and creating this wrap or fundoplication. This device uses fasteners and grippers to help repair or recreate the valve that becomes a better barrier against acid reflux. And uh, go ahead. No, no, no. I was saying that, you know, obviously many listeners, both providers and patients have heard of fundoplication before. And I think that wrap description is a very accurate description. So you're telling me, you know, that this is another way of doing that wrap, but without the traditional surgical entryway. That's absolutely correct. And when we compare it with the traditional surgical counterpart, it has the advantage of being minimally invasive because we are not having to cut open or do surgery, even laparoscopy. And uh, the patients thus have quicker recovery. Some places, um, the patients are discharged the same day after the procedure. Uh, And one common um, uh, adverse event or side effect that patients had uh, with nissen fund application was burping and bloating and a lot of gas, which um, has been really, really less with this procedure. And the other advantage, obviously, is it does not limit further treatment options. For example, if you did this and you felt that the patient was not improving, you still have room to uh, do the surgical fund application down the lane. Interesting. So it can also it can almost be a stepwise approach to the the more irreversible Nissen surgical fundoplication. That's correct. And now you mentioned earlier, you know, this is patients with reflux disease. You mentioned the, the H2 blocker. So what, what patients do you typically consider for TIF? Are those the same kind of criteria we use for fundoplication in general? Yeah, in general, it it, it is a lot similar. 
um, I guess, except with a, with a few nuances here, um, our typical patients would be anyone who is above 18 years. Um, and these patients should have had documented GERD, uh, proven GERD by endoscopy, pH studies, or barium imaging. And uh, typically, we choose patients who have had partial to incomplete response uh, to PPI. Also, patients who, you know, who've been on PPI and they've heard about uh, these uh, side effects with long-term PPI use and who might want to come off PPI. Um, there are certain patients that are not uh, good candidates and uh, uh, would are considered um, in the exclusion criteria as patients who have had BMI uh, more than 35, a hiatal hernia size more than two centimeter, and more specifically, any patient who might have uh, some degree of esophageal pathology that may limit, uh, you know, advancing this uh, device through their esophagus um, uh, are also excluded. For example, patients who might have esophageal strictures, obstructions, esophageal diverticulosis, and also some issues with the spine, uh, such as if you know that patients have had some neck surgeries or osteophytes that might limit advancing the esophix device because it's a little bit bigger than the endoscope. So, um, you know, you, not all patients, you, know, you can advance this uh, through their esophagus. Well, that's a good point. You know, I wouldn't have thought of it. That makes sense, though, because you need to access the the GE junction or esophageal stomach gastric junction endoscopically. So if there's any sort of blockage there, you won't be able to access it. Um, the other thing that you mentioned that's interesting is I know for traditional fundoplication patients, we do. We try to use patients who have had good response to PPI, but you know, like you said, want to get off of it. Here, you mentioned even those who are potentially partial responders to PPI could be candidates for TIF. That's correct. Um, great. Are there any special pre-procedure considerations for those going going under TIF? You know, you mentioned it's an endoscopic procedure, but anything else we need to do differently? We need to tell our patients as general gastroenterologists. Uh, a majority of the things are what we discussed on inclusion and exclusion criteria. The only other um, caveat here is um, there are two kinds of uh, scenarios. One we call straight TIF, where you only did do the endoscopic uh, transoral fund um, application. And in some cases, um, most of these patients who have GERD or gastroesophageal reflux disease also have hiatal hernia. So um, we coordinate this with the surgeons in a way that you can fix the hernia the surgeon repairs the hernia and the endoscopist follows the surgeon in the same OR at the same time and go and you know, do the fund application. We come, we call it CTIF, meaning a combo TIF procedure. Um, the only um, nuance that I know here is regarding um, uh, insurance coverage. The CTIF, um, from what I know, is covered by all insurance. Whereas the strict TIF, if you did without the hernia repair, it's um, covered by Medicare but and certain private insurance. But there are, uh, the, the, we always recommend our patients that they should check with their insurance before proceeding with the procedure. Interesting. So it would be a true multidisciplinary or multimodality approach. I know you guys recently did this uh, uh, with Hartford Healthcare with you guys and uh, the surgeons together. That's fantastic. Right, exactly. That's what. That's exactly the scenario. And mo most of these cases actually end up being a CTF uh, where we work with the surgeons. These patients almost always have a hernia and they need a repair of the hernia. So the hernia gets repaired by the surgeon and we um, do a follow-up. I mean, at the same time, we do the fund application. What about after the TIF procedure, the TIF procedure, whether it's CTIF or the straight TIF? Uh, anything special? Uh, again, our patients, our medical providers, our general gastroenterologists to be aware of or watch out for? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, uh, Post-op care is uh, very similar to 
uh, traditional surgical fontoplication technique. Um, now, most of the times, um, like we said, because these are minimally invasive uh, procedures, uh, patients are mostly observed overnight. Some centers, if they do a strict, if may even discharge the patient on the same day. Um, some of the patients, we tell them, you know, you may experience some degree of substernal discomfort, nausea, and even some dysphagia. The major, I think, uh, thing to um, uh, that the patient should be aware of is the diet, how we advance the diet, and how slowly we advance the diet. Um, for example, the patient will be put on full liquid diet for two weeks, followed by pureed diet for another week, and soft diet for one week, and modified diet for for a couple more weeks. So, oh, we so have it's, a re it's really a staggered, stepwise diet for almost a month, if not longer. Yeah, that's correct. And we we work with dietitian, and we have a whole dietary regimen that um, we put a patient on because they we know that they are going to develop dysphagia, and we want to avoid any complications by early advancing the diet. Great. I think probably you just mentioned. I was going to ask you follow up was possible adverse events. I know you said that the. The TIF seems to have less burping, less belching than the traditional fundoplication, but are there specific TIF uh, adverse effects or events that we have to be watch out for beyond the dysphagia you just mentioned? Yeah, I'm glad that you brought this up. Um, there, with time and as we, you know, this was first, as you know, FDA approved in 2006, but more procedures have uh, actually been in the past decade. And um, as we've had more experience in endoscopies, as well as the anesthesiologists, the team has had more experience. These adverse events seem to be decreasing with time. Um, and the, the device has also been refined. And uh, with the device refinements, these adverse events are not so not so common. Uh, but there are some minor adverse events, such as patients, like I said earlier, can develop some abdominal pain or substernal discomfort, nausea, some degree of bloating and shoulder pain. There have been reports of serious adverse events in the rate of about 2 to 2.4%. Uh, this was based on prior meta-analysis. And um, the most common among these was perforation in about 0.9%. Uh, some patients had bleeding in about 0.6%. And uh, pneumothorax uh, with the air in the um, pleural cavity in about uh, 0.5%. But I, like I said, uh, more data is coming. And as we've gotten more experience, these uh, adverse events are uh, less less and less. No, I mean, I think that's very important. It's always important to stress to all our listeners that these procedures, especially as we get more and more innovative with these incisionless or minimally invasive endoscopic procedures, they still carry, albeit less maybe than the traditional surgical approach, risks. Um, and I think Prabhupada, you just mentioned them very carefully there. And I think that's, I appreciate that. Uh, Prabhupada, thank you so much. This was a very nice uh, overview and quick look into trans oral incisionless fundoplication or TIF, T-I-F. Uh, I think our listeners really appreciate it. I hope to have you back on the show in the future. Thanks again, man. Thanks again. Thanks for the opportunity.